0: Good morning. Good morning, folks. I will be the first to tell you Happy New Year uh, from here anyway. Brandon will tell you again later. Go ahead stand, please. Let's worship the Lord together.
1: What a Savior. At the cross you showed how much you love me. Away, I threw myself on mercy. I was dead and buried, then you raised me back to life. raised me back to life. What a promise! Every day I know that you are with me, stepping out of darkness into glory. Heaven came to rescue, now I'm walking in the light. Walking in the light On Mercy Road Thank you for saving me Oh, I found hope On Mercy Road Goodness will follow me And lead me home Give it all now We're running through this world But it's not easy God, I look to you because you've called me Living with a purpose and I'm never turning back Never turning back On Mercy Road Thank you for saving me Oh, I found hope On Mercy Road Goodness will follow me and lead me home, Mercy Road. On Mercy Road, thank you for saving me. Oh, I found hope on Mercy Road. Goodness will follow me and lead me home. I know your love will always carry. On every side, God, you surround me My strength, my guide, you're everything I need I know your love will always carry On every side, God, you surround me My strength, my guide, you're everything I need Thank you for saving me, oh I found hope. On Mercy Road, goodness will follow me and lead me home. I'm on Mercy Road, thank you for saving me, oh I found hope. On Mercy Road. Goodness will follow me and lead me home thank you for saving me oh i found hope.
0: amen amen you guys go ahead and take a second and say hi to your neighbor meet somebody you haven't run into yet
2: Go ahead and make your way back to your seat. I'd appreciate that. Give one last handshake or one last hug and head on down to your seat. That'd be great. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Good to see you. Yeah. Hey, we have folks uh, still coming in looking for places to sit. If you could make sure you, you or, yeah, you have two right there. You can squeeze in on one side or the other. Make some room available so as they come in they uh, they can see those places and our ushers could also help them get to those seats as well. It's good to see everybody. Um, I do have some announcements for you. First, if you're a guest with us, I'm glad you're here. There are usually a lot of guests during this time of the year visiting family and up to uh, be a part of the worship service as well. So we're glad that you made it. Uh, if you'd love to let us know you were here, you could fill out a welcome card in the pew rack in front of you. It's one of those yellow cards. And uh, we'd love to have a record of your attendance, but we'd also love to be praying for you. Maybe you, want, you have a prayer request, you can write that on the back of that card. Or if you have something you want to know more about in uh, as far as ministry goes in our church, uh, you can certainly uh, fill out the appropriate boxes or check them off, and we'll get that information to you. Um, and then place it in the offering plate later as it passes. Um, one of the things that uh, we have for announcements is is this little... Flyer like this. It's in your worship folder. It's uh, the new year at FBC. Some of the things upcoming that we want to make you aware of. Uh, in in January, we're going to have sign-ups at the kiosk for small group ministries. Ways that you can you or you and your family can get involved uh, in discipleship and grow growth through groups. So love to have you be a part of that and just to watch watch for those opportunities uh, as they come up. Um, also on there, this is a new one we we put on. Uh, most people were not privy to this. Uh, there's an FBC family skate night plan. So we're going to rent out the skate rink here in town uh, for our church family to be a part of that and have some skate time, some devotion time, some hot chocolate and s'more time together. So it's going to be great. Uh, and we'll open that up to families. It'll be pretty, pretty reasonable cost on that. I think it's $5 a person, uh maximum of $15 per, per household, per family. Um, so look forward to that. That's on the 26th of January. We have a Valentine's Day date night coming up. A lot of you who have young children are aware of that where we have uh, folks who will watch kids here at the church and allow you to go out and just invest in each other. So that's coming up. Put that on your calendar. Uh, Also, Class 101, if you're looking forward to knowing more information about our church, understanding what we believe, why we believe it, it's a prerequisite also to church membership. We'd love for you to be a part of that class. You can sign up for that using the welcome card in the pew rack. And on the back, mark Class 101, and we'll put you in that next uh, class rotation. And finally, Weekend to Remember is coming up. We put that in there for couples uh, to make sure they mark that on their calendar, start maybe setting aside some money for that. Uh, great opportunity to really, really invest in your marriage. Um, It it is phenomenal. You'll hear more about that in the coming weeks, but uh, but I would say mark that on your calendar. Um, That's, there's more in your bulletin. You'll see uh, a couple things that are going on today because it's a a family-friendly service, and I I say this, you know, every time, but to make sure you're aware of it, family-friendly service means that we welcome all the kids to stay the entire time that that they're here in in the service. Uh, We'll do some preaching and some singing and some children's corners and we actually have a child dedication today it's going to be a fun time we're also participating in, in the Lord's Supper later on today so just be ready for those things as part of our worship service as we gather um, and the kids if they squawk a little bit that's because they're kids and uh, it's it's okay with me I can I can usually talk over the top of them and I'm okay with that right yeah but uh, if, if you feel that you're you're just needing to have the kid out of the sanctuary there is a, a parent room to the back uh, rear I guess to my left the rear right of the sanctuary. Uh, you're welcome to go in there there's a speaker in there you'll hear what's going on in the sanctuary Just a place for you to to nurse if it's a baby or just to keep your kid uh, help your kid kind of soothe and whatever's going on so that's that's available for you Um, if you aren't a parent with children that's shouldn't be available for you that's for parents with children okay just so you're aware of that all right it's not our overflow seating although we'd like to have that sometimes but it is great to have you here Um, we are in the book of luke if you would turn in your bible with me to the book of luke we are going to start right away uh, in our sermon so we can get back to some singing and uh, and baby dedications. It's going to be a great time. Uh, so the book of Luke is where we are today. Luke chapter 2, if you would turn there in your Bibles, please. We are kind of continuing the Advent season and going through a series called Written So That You May Believe. And uh, that's the anchor that's going to hold us as we go through the, the Gospels. Uh, we're doing a series going through the Gospels and and oftentimes you'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have similar accounts of the same story. And we want to look at those and pull those apart and harmonize those uh, to contextualize what's really going on. And as we learn more and more about Jesus Christ, uh, the, the life and work of Jesus, we get to know Him more. We get to know Him better and see the Savior uh, in, in a bigger, grander picture. Uh, it just so happens during the, uh, during the Advent season, during the story of Christmas, we see uh, really most of the story in Matthew and in Luke. And we're going to be in Luke uh, exclusively today. Uh, we'll jump around to some other texts to kind of help us understand that part, but we're going to see the presentation or, or dedication of Jesus Christ uh, in the temple, and it's, it's kind of a neat thing. Uh, I was asked if we could do a, a baby dedication today, and I'm like, oh yeah, that should work just fine, and I got to thinking that's the exact same day we're going to be in basically the, the dedication of Jesus in the temple, so what a great day to be able to do a baby dedication today as well. So we are in Luke uh, chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 21 through 38 together. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we will get right to work in that. Father, thank you so much uh, for this time you've given us to, to come and to celebrate Jesus. Uh, this is all about Jesus, and may, may our hearts be focused on him today. Many of us come for different reasons, and, and God, I think the, the underlying one is, is something about God or something about Jesus, but God, help that to, to rise in our heart to the top, that we would be about Christ and, and learning from Christ and learning from his word, that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to it, and that you would challenge us and change us however necessary. And God, that we would leave forever changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at the presentation of Christ at the temple. And uh, we're going to look at three different aspects of that. We're going to tackle one right now. So number one is this. The presentation of Christ reveals obedient faith. Now I'm going to take and read this entire section of Scripture together. And then we'll break down that first portion, okay? So we are in chapter 2, verses 21 through 38. This is right after Christ had been born. It said, when the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is, it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what had been said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother, Mary, indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after marriage, and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak about Him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So this is, this is the presentation of Jesus, and this is what happens here. And uh, there's a lot of great things going on here. I encourage you to go read this story with your family later. We're going to talk about some of it. So I talked about the first point. The first point is this, the presentation of Christ in the temple. Uh, it reveals obedient faith. Let's look back at verses 21 through 24 together. So Jesus had been born. It says when eight days were completed uh, for his circumcision, they named him Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived and when the days of their purification according to the law of moses were finished they brought brought him up to jerusalem to present him to the lord just as it is written in the law of the lord every firstborn male will be dedicated to the lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the lord a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons Uh, interesting you have mary and joseph and what i want us to see here is is their obedient faith if you think back to mary and joseph you think back to the story we've seen over the previous weeks these are, these are young kids, especially Mary, a young, young junior high girl who is righteous and faithful and devout to God. And we see that theme throughout many of the characters during this story. We see the shepherds and we see uh, Simeon and Anna. We see Mary and Joseph. We see Elizabeth and Zechariah. You see this devout, righteous faith they have, this desire and this longing to love and serve the Lord and, and to trust in all his promises. So you have this background where there's a rich background. And, and think about Mary and Joseph who, who heard from the Lord, who heard from the angel. You're going to have a baby. He's going to be the Messiah. He's going to be the, the anointed one that's going to save all of Israel. And, whoa, what's going to happen with this? That gives me chills thinking about it. You think about the mom and dad. And then, then she is actually pregnant. She's conceived, right? And, she, and there's this baby growing inside of her. And they're wondering, is this really going to come to fruition? Is this really going to be true of what's been said? And they're waiting and seeing. And see, I think they had this eager, expectant faith this desire to say, God, we trust you above everything else. We are going to trust you and honor you, and we will obey you to the fullest degree. So the baby is born, and you think about what wells up inside of them. We'll talk about that later, that that instance when a mom or dad first holds their their newborn, and and the joy that they have in that moment. I mean, think about the, the culmination of the promises of God. That Jesus has been born in, and all that the angel has said, all the Lord has revealed, all that their faith has been expressed in is coming to fruition. Because they are continually to be, continuing to be obedient to God's call in their heart and lives. And they're surrendering to Him saying, it's not my will, it's your will be done. We're going to be faithful to the Lord. Remember Mary's statement, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as you have told me. Mary was so willing and so humble and ready to receive whatever God had for her. So it it shouldn't be any surprise that on the eighth day they had Jesus circumcised because that was the custom of the law. That's what their people did. In order to identify and be set apart as the family of Abraham, the household of Abraham, the people of God, they were circumcised on the the eighth day and that was what set them apart. So that in itself was an act of obedience coming from deep faith in God. You see, that's what has to occur. So many of us have faith or say we have a faith, but there's no obedience with that faith. And then sometimes we have obedience. Well, we'll just follow along with the rules and regulations. But there really is no faith in that. See, what happens when we talk about the presentation of Christ, when Christ is revealed and presented, it reveals obedient faith. It shows our heart for what it is. Do we really trust in the Messiah? Do we really, with all of our heart, embrace him in faith? And if we do, does that produce an obedience like Mary and Joseph showed? It should. So not only did they have him circumcised on the eighth day, they waited this time of purification. Now in this Jewish law, you'll look more in this and I think it's a Leviticus actually, I'll read that in a minute. Um, there's there's a time of purification that comes. It said when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished. When a baby is born, there's blood, there's grossness, right? It's it's kind of not a not a clean situation. And the law said there had to be a certain amount of time that passed for that purification then to be able to take place. And it was forty days for a boy. Right? It was it was, it was after circumcision, it was another thirty two days. It was forty days total for a boy and then you could go to the temple so they waited they they waited that time and they're they're in bethlehem and then they travel by faith to jerusalem to the temple to have this child dedicated and to to have this purification ceremony happen there not only did they circumcise him they named him there's an act of faith we missed right i skipped over that they they circumcised jesus and then they, they named him jesus just as the angel had said to name him and it's amazing. Think about that. The angels both said to to Mary and Joseph, Matthew 121 to Joseph, the angel says that she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And we talked a lot about this in previous weeks, that this is God in the flesh. This is actually God come to save us. And it's it's talking about his people, right? Their sins, that he his name will be Jesus because he, that God in the flesh, will save his people from from their sins. So you name him Jesus. And then to Mary, the angel said, now listen, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son and you're going to give him the name Jesus. Well, and everything is in a name, right? And when they name Jesus, this, this name Jesus means this. It means Yahweh is salvation. It means Yahweh is salvation. It means that God is providing our salvation through himself by becoming flesh for us. And, and you think about, as, remember when, when uh, uh, Zechariah named John? That moment, he's like, they're kind of arguing, don't you want it to be Zechariah or Zechariah, Zech Jr. or something different? And he's like, no, he takes a tablet out because he can't speak. There's judgment on him. And he, what's, what's he say? His name is John. And I remember I talked about this a few weeks ago. It's not that it will be John or should be John. In Zech, Zechariah's mind, his name was already John. Everyone's trying to name him. His name is already John. And that was a, a huge act of faith to God saying, listen, it, this is in faith, trusting that God is who he says he is, and he wants my boy to be named John, which means God is gracious. So he named him John. So now you have Jesus there, and at the circumcision, they give him the name Jesus. And can you imagine that for a minute? You're, you're there with a newborn child. And that newborn child needs a name, and you know on your, in your heart that God has said, name him Jesus. And you look at that little baby, this child, our baby, and you give him the name Jesus, which means God is mighty to save, God's salvation. And it was huge. It was, it was a combination of Yeshua, Joshua, which was the mighty ruler Joshua from the Old Testament, and God's salvation. And this, was a, this was the way God mightily came into the world to save us. God mightily came into the world in a humble, most lowly way to seek and save the lost so he could identify with us but ultimately so he could offer himself in the flesh as a sacrifice for our sins on that cross that's why he came so you're naming this child jesus and that's an act of faith trusting and that's got to be a big act of faith because you're saying his name is do i want to say it do i want to call him god is salvation do i want to call this baby god in the flesh who's going to save his people yes i do and you, you say his name is jesus And that's a confirmation of your faith and an act of obedience from that faith, saying, this is what God has told us to do. This is how God has revealed himself to us. And they named him Jesus. And then they had the purification ceremonies. I want to read a little bit something about that. Uh, They went to Jerusalem, and there was a purification ceremony for Mary. And then, then following the purification ceremony, once it had ended, Mary was Levitically clean, and she could participate in the ceremony of the redemption of her son. This simple ceremony consisted first in the simple presentation of the child to the priest in recognition of God's ownership. Isn't that amazing? As we do a child dedication in a few minutes, it's going to be the same thing. We're presenting a child, not because there's something we need to do for the child, but but we as a body and we as a family need to to love and serve and dedicate this child unto the Lord and God's ownership. This child is God's. And the second was the payment of five shekels. Uh, The priest on receiving the child pronounced two blessings. One in thanksgiving for, uh, for the law of redemption and another for the gift of the firstborn son. Now, I, I want you to think about this. The, they, they went to the temple and, and Mary and Joseph went and brought baby Jesus with. And, they, and they, under the law, they didn't even have to do that. They, they are continually, in in and by faith, going above and beyond because they love God. And they didn't have to do that because he wasn't going to be set aside for the priesthood. He wasn't of that family of that line he didn't have to be a priest but certainly he was our great high priest wasn't he so they paid that five shekels to as a redemption saying he, he's not going to be in the priesthood here's five shekels to to buy him out of it right because he doesn't have to serve in that way and that was what they were doing he they didn't have to bring him they could have just paid the money and gone but they brought him anyway and and cool thing happens in our next segment with with Simeon and Anna being there as well and seeing the baby Jesus so they are going faithful to the law and above and beyond the law, because they are being obedient, because they are filled with faith in God. See, obedience and faith must go together. And it's interesting. I, there's a passage in Leviticus. I'm not going to read the full thing. It's referenced in your notes, uh, where it talks about this, this uh, purification and what's needed there. And and you're supposed to, uh, during this ceremony of purification, you're supposed to bring a, a, a lamb, a young lamb, and and two doves, right? And that wasn't the case. It, it, for mary and joseph they weren't well off and we, next week we're going to see how the, the wise men come right uh, the wise men hadn't given them their gifts of gold yet they were really poor remember they went to bethlehem and they didn't find any room they didn't find a place they couldn't even buy themselves into a house they had to settle for a little place of, of animals with feeding trough right that that's where jesus was born so the most lowly most lowly humble meek are the ones god is calling and using and, the, and those are the ones that respond to god's call and what we see in Scripture is that there was an allowance in the Levitical law. If you were poor, you didn't have to bring the lamb, bring, bring a set of turtle doves and a set, um, a set of pigeons. And that would suffice. That would be okay because we, we understand there are people there that live in poverty. Well, certainly, as they brought those two sets of birds, they were, they were declaring publicly that we are the lowly of low. We are the poor of the poor. We are, are destitute. But we are here because we are filled with faith in what God can do and what God has done, and we are going to be obedient to Him. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. You see, they were lowly, and they were meek, and they were the kind of people that God calls, and that can only respond to God's call, are the lowly and meek. Christianity began and always begins with a deep spirit of need and spiritual destitution. Amen? There has to be a point in our life of humility that says, I am not all that. I am weak. I am inadequate. I I need a Savior. And to those who need a Savior, a Savior is there. And a Savior is very, very real. God does not come to the self-sufficient. This is the truth that we must remind ourselves of over and over again. Only our inadequacy brings us to the adequacy of Christ. Christ. We know that we are inadequate and that He is supremely adequate, supremely sufficient for us. And it's through Him, then, that in faith we are motivated to serve and obey. Think about the depth of that. We're motivated to serve and obey because He has been so sufficient for us. He won't let us down. James chapter 2, verse 14. And, and, and that whole section is great to read, maybe with your family as well, in chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but does not have works can such a faith save him so for you and I I want to, I just want to challenge I think there's a challenge for us we have to look in our own hearts and say do I say I have faith but when it comes down to it I don't express that faith through obedience because if I had faith and I trusted God I would trust his plan I would trust his direction I would trust what he says and I would do what he says on the flip side of that I mentioned a few minutes ago some of us are in a place of just extreme obedience Man, we look the part, we dress the part, we walk it and we talk it, but in our heart, we have no faith in God. We just want to look like we're there. And we are so far from Him. We have to, in both cases, get over ourselves. Humble ourselves. Come to the place that we are truly lowly and desperate in need of Him. And let Him be our sufficiency. And we trust in Him in faith that He is our sufficiency. And that faith started for Mary and Joseph when the angel said, you're going to have a child who's the Messiah. And that faith continued to grow even until the moment they saw the resurrected their resurrected son. But all through and everything in between, there was some hardship and turmoil that continued to grow their faith because they continued to act obediently to God. And that's what we are to do too. We are to obey God. Right now, we're going to have a, a child dedication. So I'm going to ask Jeremiah and Summer and Eli- Elias to come up and bring your family and come up on the stage up here, you guys. This is sure a special time, huh? Come on over, guys. I'm going to hop right down here and make some room for all y'all. Jeremiah, I want to take that. So we are, we're we're celebrating in a dedication. We're celebrating a a family who has come and wants to say, listen, we, we want to dedicate our child to the Lord. But what that means is that they're going to dedicate themselves to be dedicated to the Lord, Right? And that's, that's what this means. So, Jeremiah, would you go ahead and introduce uh, your wife and f- family here?
1: So,
3: my name is Jeremiah. Uh, this is my wife, Summer, as most of you probably know. And we had Elias David together. Uh, this is Summer's mom, Legetta. A little closer to your mouth. Oh. This is our brother, Sean. Um, this is my sister, Jocelyn, and her husband, Noah. My brother, Jonah. My father, John, and my mother, Jenna. And Summer's
2: Uncle Brandon. Awesome. Thanks, bud. Yeah. So what we do here, I have a, a, a covenant, a commitment. I'm going to face you guys because this is about you. And, uh, and then I'm going to turn and face you guys. So uh, I'm going to read, read through this covenant, this commitment for, for Elias, who's sleeping so soundly. I have that effect on people, I think. <laughs> I just speak and then be, they begin to fall asleep. It just happens out. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wish my own children responded to my voice that way. All right. I'm going to read some different phrases and covenants, and at the end of each one, I want you to, to, if you affirm that statement in your heart, your own individual heart, to respond, I will. Will you acknowledge that your child is a gift from God, that you are his caretaker, and that God has given you the responsibility to guide him to know and follow Jesus? For everybody to hear? As a parent who has a personal faith in Christ, will you model a delight in Jesus, joy in following Him, and a desire to constantly grow in your relationship with Christ? Will you show humility rather than perfection as you model repentance, forgiveness, and restoration? Will you commit yourself to learning sound doctrine? Will you be the primary discipler of your child? Will you embrace uh, embrace your home as a first mission field? Will you bring your child up in the training and instruction of the Lord, embracing the call in Deuteronomy to teach them to your children, to talk about them when you sit in your home, to walk as you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up? Finally, will you surrender your child to the Lord in prayer? Will you allow Christ's church to be an extension of His love, support, and encouragement? Will you give your child every opportunity to benefit from participation with the church family, and will you seek mature Christ followers who are willing to invest in your child's life? Awesome. Well, now I turn to the church, and, and for Jeremiah and for Summer, Summer uh, grew up in our church and, and around our church and um, in our youth ministry and, and has now married and moved away, and Jeremiah's in the armed forces, and uh, they'll be moving to Hawaii, right? Back to Hawaii uh, in a few weeks. So, so they aren't going to be in our church family as much as we would hope they would, but you and I still have an obligation and have a responsibility to them. So I'm going to ask you, Church: Will you covenant to pray for this child and their parents and family? Will you covenant to be an example of gospel living, both individually and corporately? I will. Will you covenant to teach the gospel to this child in whatever opportunity may arise? I will. Finally, if you will covenant to support this family. In whatever way necessary to help them fulfill the promises that they have made today, will you please stand up with them? There's a lot of support there, isn't there? A lot of love there. Well, let's go ahead and and commit this family and this uh, this child to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today because you are the only source of hope and joy that we have. You're the only uh, source of adequacy or sufficiency that we could ever have. And Lord, I thank you for Jeremiah and for Summer and for the entire family who are here today to dedicate Elias to you. Lord, they they entrust him to you, that they give him to you, back to you, and, and trust him in any way, in every way, in every situation, that he is your son as well. And God, I thank you for the, the covenantal promises that they have made today. The promises to raise this child up in the ways of the Lord, God, the, to be a firm foundation for him, to disciple him and to help him grow. And, and God, to find people and put people in his life that will point him to Jesus always. God, we thank you for that. And I thank you as a church that we have the opportunity to come alongside them. And God, although they may be miles apart and miles away, that we'll see them more and again. So God, give us every opportunity, God, whether individually or corporately, to love and support this family through prayer, God, through guidance, through counsel, uh, and through the power of the Word of God and His Spirit. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Give him a hand. Good job, guys. Love you guys. All right, you can go ahead and be seated again. And uh, I think we have a special music time coming up. Um, and uh, is that right? Yeah, special music business is going to have that. And the band's going to come back up and sing some more songs. Um, I also ask our ushers, if our ushers would come forward, those who will be receiving the offering today. Um, I, I just want to have a prayer. As they come up, I want to have a prayer over our offering. You know, when we come to, to church and, and to worship and to give, we are giving of ourselves. And, and we, we come and we give financially too. Um, and I want to let you know that if, if this isn't your church home, if you don't call FPC your home church, we don't expect a thing from you. Uh, we This is for us who call First Baptist our home. But this is a way that we worship. This is a way that we say, God, you are always sufficient. You will always provide. And we are going to give back to you always. And that's that's what we do. So let's go ahead and pray over our offering. And then we'll uh, we'll have some special music and receive the offering. Father, we, we entrust you with, with all of us, all of ourselves. And God, that means every area of our lives. And God, today as we as we give financially back a portion of what you've given to us, and how you provided for us. God, we entrust that to you. We entrust that you will use it to, to further the kingdom of God, to further the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask that you would bless it, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: to us.
0: stand please
4: on its way shall remain I will rejoice I will declare God is my victory and he is here This is my prayer in the harvest When favor and providence flow I know I'm filled to be emptied again The seed I received I will sow.
1: From singing Your praise, how can I ever say enough? How amazing is Your love? How can I keep from shouting Your name? No. I can't sing in the troubled times, sing when I win, I can sing when I lose my step and fall down again. I can't sing cause you pick me up. Sing cause you're there, I can't sing with my hear you call to you in prayer. And I can sing with my last breath. Sing for I know that I'll sing with the angels and the saints around the throne. How can I keep from singing your praise? How can I ever say enough, how amazing is your love, how can I keep from shouting your name, I know I am loved by the King.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you may be seated.
2: All right. It is our time for our kids' corner, children's corner. If you uh, are a child, young at heart or young, you can come on up. Kids, come on up. This is your children's church time. Come on over. I think Dane will move your iPhone and coffee cup. (laughs) <laughs> Come on up, kids. You can have a seat here on the front row, okay? Yay. Yay. So good to see all of you. Come on up. <clears throat> all right. Come on over here. You can sit right on the floor in front of me, too, if you'd like. Hi, guys. Hi. Okay, so what do I have here? A puppy, a puppy right? It's a puppy. It's a, it's a stuffed animal puppy what uh, you guys call that a stuffy sometimes some, some stuffies are stuffed animal right it's a stuffy well I love stuffies I did, I forgot to bring my favorite stuffy today my favorite stuffy is a lion I love my lion stuffy and I just love to cuddle with it I've given it to my kids but I kind of want it back because I love to cuddle with my stuffy right tell me what what do you like about your stuffed animal what do you like about it they're soft right it's like oh it's so cuddly right they're squishy, right? You can squish them and not hurt them, right? You have something to snuggle with in bed, yeah? They're cute, most of them anyway, right? Yours is always cute, the one you like though, right? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hand this down here. I want you to feel it and give it a hug if you want to and then pass it on down the line, okay? Go ahead and take it, sweetie. Okay, go ahead and give it a hug and pass it on down the line. Feel how squishy and comfortable that one is. What does is, what is the, the stuffy help you do? Relax. Okay, relax. Go to sleep, right? Sometimes you just need something to hug, huh? Something to hold. Isn't it so nice? Make sure Nevaeh gets to There you go. Pass it over to Jenna. You know, stuffed animals, it's it's interesting. Stuffed animals are a comfort for us, aren't they? It's like it's kind of comforting to have something there and to hold on to and make us feel safe and secure. Oh, thank you, sweetie. I needed that. Oh, it helps us feel safe and secure and comfortable and and maybe if we're sad, it might help us make, make us feel a little better sometimes, right? That's what a stuffed animal, it does. It just does it because it's nice and soft and fluffy. Well, in our story today, we're going to hear in a few minutes, your parents are going to hear more. But in our story today, there's a man named Simeon. And he's a priest and he goes to the temple and, and Jesus is there. And Jesus is there in the form of a little baby, a little baby. And God had told Simeon that before Simeon died, that he would see the Messiah. He would see the Savior of the world. And so, so God stirs in his heart to go to the temple, and he goes there, and he gets to see Jesus. He gets to hold Jesus, and it's a pretty amazing feeling when you get to hold Jesus, because he knew that that moment that he was holding the Savior of the world, and he had looked forward to that, and what he said, Simeon said, that God is my comforter, right? He's a comfort, and that he's my redeemer. He's, he's the one that makes everything better, right? It kind of sounds like how we use a stuffed animal sometimes, right? For comfort, and it makes things better, but that's how, that's how he saw Jesus. So here's what I want you to think of, children. As you go home, and as you, I know you have your stuffies, and we have a million of them in our house too, right? As you go home, and as you grab your stuffy and you need comfort, I want you to think about Jesus. Jesus is the same comfort, even a better comfort than our stuffed animal. And you know what he wants? He wants us to hold on to him even tighter than we would hold on to our stuffed animal. Because he brings so much comfort and so much hope and so much joy to our lives that our hearts will just burst and overflow with it. Did you have a question, bud? You don't have to snuggle with a stuffed animal. You can snuggle with daddy if you want to. Right? <laughs> but ultimately, we should snuggle with who? With Jesus. And hold on tight to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus as tight as you would hold on to your stuffed animal. Sweetie, do you have a question? Well, then do you want this one? Do you have one? You, if you don't have one, you, you might need to get one or get a pillow, right? Something. Or just hold on tight to your mom or dad or a, a friend, right? But we can hold on to Jesus, all right? You got it? Hold on to Jesus. Thanks, you guys. You can head back to your seats. Good job. Here, Wes, can we take that back to the seat, please? he's close to your heart. Go take that back with mama, okay? My son says, but Jesus is in heaven. Yes, but he's close to our heart, and he's near, and we can hold on to him. It's hard sometimes when you can't see Jesus, right? But we can see Jesus and the effects of Jesus. So we're back in Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up in our sermon and continue on. So we just talked uh, about Jesus's presentation, and we talked that uh, his presentation revealed obedient faith. And it sh- when Jesus appears and when Jesus is in view in our lives, it should produce in us obedient faith as well. Uh, number two, as we move on, the presentation of Christ shows the Savior that we need. It shows the Savior that we need. Now, we're going to go into the majority of our text right now and, and really look through what's going on here. And, and, I, and I hope you're, you're excited to see uh, what happens in our story. So Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verses 25 through 35 together. We'll break it down and see what's what's happening here. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple when the parents brought the child uh, the, the child Jesus to perform For him, what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God and said, Now, master, you may dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what had been said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the rise and fall of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now let's, let's break that apart a little bit. So you have Simeon here who's, who's a man, he's, he's older in age, he's, he's heard from God that you will not die, you will not be dismissed and depart until you see the Messiah. So there's a longing and a hunger and an expectation in him, right? To see the Messiah. And, and nothing else will do. And that, that's what happens when we see Christ and we're, we're confronted with Christ. And when Christ is presented to us, it shows us the Savior that we need because nothing else will do. He will not depart until he sees the Messiah. Do you understand that? that that's what God has promised. And for you and I, we have to get to that place in our heart that nothing else will do. That means forsaking some of our idols getting rid of the things that we hold on to as gods, the things that we hold on to, that we feel are our own sufficiency, that is not what we are to hold on to. We are to hold on to Jesus, most importantly. He is the Savior. It shows the Savior that we need. So there's a man, his name is Simeon. He was righteous and devout. So we see an older gentleman who's righteous and devout. Again, fits in this category of Zechariah and Elizabeth as older, right? And, and seeing seeing the the law as such a beautiful thing, and and what's interesting in in this here it's kind of a side note what we see in, in Elizabeth and we see in Zechariah we see in Simeon and we see in Anna are devout older people older saints who have loved and cherished God's law and by faith have trusted that he is bringing about the Messiah and what happens is when the Messiah shows up they rejoice greatly to this new era and the hope that's in the revealed Messiah that is not the response all of the Jewish population had Most of the Jewish population said, no, that's not the Messiah. We don't want that Messiah. We want our own religion and rules. We're going to stick to this. This isn't who we thought it would be, so we're going to go back to this way of thinking. They held on to their own religion. They held on to their own expectations, and they weren't expectant for Christ. But those who were expectant for Christ found Christ, and He was the Savior that they needed, and He's actually the Savior that everyone needs. But there are some who will reject Him and some who will embrace Him. And Jesus, by, by the way, is not abolishing the law. We see that in Scripture, that he is the fulfillment of the entire law himself. So when Jesus is presented, we see this amazing new era of the new covenant revealed in Christ, that we get to embrace him as Savior in the flesh, and see what he's doing in his flesh to save us from our sin. So for these old saints, we can learn and say, listen, there, there's a new era that they are embracing, because they understand love god fully they love the law fully and they see the law only points to our need for christ and points to christ so he was righteous and devout looking forward it said looking forward to israel's consolation or when when god would comfort israel with the messiah and i want you to understand that that's our position should be as well we should be looking forward in anticipation we should be expectant in our heart we should have a longing to see the Messiah and to draw from the comfort and salvation that only the Messiah can bring. That's that's who we should be, longing in that mode, longing for him more than anything else. And that's that's what we see Simeon doing, longing expectantly for the Messiah. And it says the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So there's three mentions of the work of the Holy Spirit on Simeon in this passage. Amazing part of this. And, and you know, Luke records this in Acts chapter two. When the Holy Spirit comes upon the church and fills the believers. And some would say it's different before Pentecost than it was after Pentecost. But I think Luke is emphasizing the fact that the Holy Spirit is living and active and very alive in the believers who have gone before as well. That the Holy Spirit is just as active in Simeon as he is at Pentecost with the apostles and as he is today in you and I. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Messiah. And then, guided by the Spirit, he happens, I need to go into the temple. Something's going on today. He goes into the temple, and, he, and he, when he enters there, their parents are there. They had brought the child Jesus up to perform the, the customs we talked about a minute ago uh, as, as pertained to the law. And then Simeon took him up in his arms. Like God had led him there by the Spirit, and this whole spiritual time, this confirmation was happening. And this is not a confirmation that we see like in churches where you're confirmed now. This is a witness. This is God Almighty through the power of his Holy Spirit and one of his saints confirming to everyone that this child is the Messiah, that this is the Son of God, that this is indeed God in the flesh who is here to save us. So he took him up in his arms and he praised God. Look what he says. He says, now, Master, he's praying to God, now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, right? The promise was once you saw the Messiah, then you could die. I don't know how old this guy was, but he was probably aged and he was ready to go. Now you can dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. What is he looking at? He's looking at a baby boy in his arms, lifting him up. This is Jesus. The baby Jesus. He has seen Jesus. And when he's seen Jesus, what does he say of Jesus? This child, this baby is God's salvation. There's no other name given by which we must be saved than Jesus Christ. I have, my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. Christ came not just for the Jews, for Israel. Christ came for all peoples. As a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Listen, this man who loved the law, who has deep heritage, his Jewish tradition, knew that as he held the baby Jesus, it wasn't only for him and his nation. It was for everybody who would believe. And he's prophesying that right there. He's singing that right there at that moment by the power of the Spirit that you and I would know that Jesus is for everybody. That means Jesus is for you. He's a light the revelation of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He came out of the house and line of David. He was of the household of Abraham. This is the glory of God seen in Israel. And his father and mother, Mary and Joseph, right, were amazed at what was being said about him why were they amazed? They knew who he was. They knew that he was the Messiah because that's what we do. Expectant faith continues to be amazed as God shows up in our lives. As we have an expectant faith, it continues to to be amazed. And what is an expectant faith? It's a humble emptiness in our own self saying, I can only be filled by the sufficiency of God. So they were amazed because they were empty and then they were full because of what had been said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Well, what's what's he talking about here? Well, first, when he overflows with this praise, saying that he's going to be for everyone, he's he's overflowing with with message from Isaiah. Isaiah 49, 6 says, God says, it, It's not enough for you to be my servant raising up the tribes of Jacob to, to bring glory to Israel and restoring the uh, the protected ones of Israel. But I will also make you a light for the nations, a light for the nations to be my salvation to the ends of the earth. This is what this is what he's overflowing with, this praise. And this has also been one of those uh, themes throughout the, the text this this month, hasn't it? As we've seen people overflow with praise, these individuals are are pious and lowly and humble and ready to receive whatever god has but they are steeped in the word of god they know the word of god and they trust in the word of god and the word of god overflows from their mouths well what does it mean that indeed indeed this child is to be destined to cause a fall and rise of many and that that he'll be opposed well i i brought in a passage from first peter that i'm going to read to you and i i think peter understood this and he said this because here's what happens folks you and I have two choices, and that's it. We can accept the message in humility and accept the Savior and receive the forgiveness He offers, or we can say no and reject Him. There is no middle ground. There's no on the fence. I want to make sure you understand that. Either you have accepted and received Christ the Messiah, or you have rejected Him and turned away from Him. Now, there, there may be a point in time where if you have rejected, you can come to the place where you receive and accept the gospel and believe the gospel. And I, I pray and hope that is a time. But before that happens, we are either accepting or, or rejecting Christ the Messiah. That's what we're doing. And Peter says this full on. And, and we, so we see these humble, pious servants of God, these people who loved God with all their heart, receiving Christ and holding on to him as Lord and Messiah. And then you see the others in this Jewish population saying, no, no, he's not the Messiah. In fact, he claims to be the Messiah. He claims to be God. So we're going to crucify him for blasphemy. And that's the other population. So Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, looking at verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, this is Jesus, as you come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourself as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He's talking about the church here. Those who have believed the message, we are going to offer spiritual sacrifices. Through our faith, we're going to practice obedience. We're going to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're going to build our lives on Him. It says, for it says in Scripture, stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. With the one who believes in Him, He will never be put to shame. That's the amazing part. It doesn't matter how poor Mary and Joseph were. It doesn't matter how lowly the shepherds in the field were doesn't matter how old Elizabeth, Zechariah, Anna, and Simeon are. It doesn't matter how lowly because God, with God, and those who believe in Him, never they will never be put to shame. It says in verse 7, So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, two camps, remember the believing and the unbelieving, for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, thats that has become the cornerstone and the stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble, here it is, this might be you today, this might be where your heart is today. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. That's what we're here to do, As we believe, we believe that he has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But it goes on, it gets better. This is the savior that we need, the one that will draw us out of the darkness into his light. It says, once you were not a people, right, once you didn't belong, you were not a people, but now you are God's people. How does it happen? Because we have, in our heart, believed the Messiah. We have believed the gospel of, the, of Jesus Christ and let him forgive and save us. So now we are a people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's the difference. There's the two camps, from light into, or from darkness into light, right? So they're either in darkness or you're in light, right? You either are a people or you're not a people. You had received mercy or you have not received mercy. That's where it is. And for us who, when Christ is presented, when we believe on the Lord, we believe because He is the Savior that we need and that we know we need. And we are desperate for Him. See, we should humbly and receptively, expectantly, be ready for the Messiah and be ready to believe in the Messiah as He's presented to us. Maybe that's you today. Maybe the Messiah is being presented for the first time today. That little baby in a manger we sing about all Christmas long is much bigger than you think He is. He is Christ the Lord. He is God, God's salvation for us. Now, both Simeon and Anna, as we'll see in a few minutes, shared the same type of joy and expectation for the Messiah. They were ready, longing. They never gave up hoping and they kept trusting and looking for Him. What an example they are for us today. That we never give up that hope. We never give up expecting expecting God to do big things for us. And listen, along with the poor carpenter and his wife and the outcast shepherds we talked about, they are examples of those to whom Christ comes. See, The reason you may be rejecting is because you're still full of yourself. You haven't emptied yourself and started longing for Christ and what He offers for you today. Christ comes to the humble. And at that time, as they were humble, they were empty. They were both profoundly empty, and they were profoundly, therefore, full because of what God had brought for them. See, they longed for a righteousness and a redemption and a comfort that would only come from the Messiah, and they knew it. They knew it. They knew what the Old Testament said about it. They came to God's house hungry, and they left full because they were greatly aware of their own spiritual need. They needed the Savior, and He is the Savior that we need. So we too should ask God to point out our own insufficiency and pray that we would have a greater sense of our spiritual inadequacy and our spiritual need. What is God going to show me today? And that's dangerous, isn't it? That's a dangerous prayer. We like to be sufficient. We like to be able to do it on our own. But God is saying, listen, I want to show you how you're deficient so you can be filled with everything I have promised. Simeon prophesied. He said that this child was appointed to cause the fall and the rise of many. This reveals the necessary experience. I want you to understand this. This is the necessary experience that we all must have when we come to christ we that were risen to our own agenda and our own good and our own worth must fall right the, the proud must fall and humble themselves and once they are humbled then who who is it that comes to the rescue jesus christ who comes to the rescue lifting us up and drawing us to himself we must fall in humiliation and poverty of spirit before we can rise to newness and life in christ we must see our inadequacy before we're ready to see the great, amazing grace of God. And it's a hope-filled grace. I, I, I mentioned this earlier. Simeon has baby Jesus in his arms. He's, he's, he's either doing this or he's doing the Lion King thing, right? And He's holding him up. What, whatever it is, I mean, he's, he's got him in his arms. And, and all of the joy and the expectation and, and the excitement and the trepidation that he may have felt before seeing Jesus was just there in one bundle of whatever it was, and it came out in joy and in tears and excitement and in praise. And I thought about the same experience when I had, when we had our first child, when, when Bailey was born. I hadn't been a dad ever before. I didn't know what it was going to be like. I just knew that my wife was pregnant, and soon we're going to have a little one to take care of, and that's going to be absolutely helpless. And, and, and my question was, am I, everyone says it, oh, well, when it's your own, you'll know. You'll know the love. And I'm like, I don't know that. I don't have one. I love your kids, but I don't love them that much, right? They're not mine. But when that, when she was born, right? That's it true. It's true. Just being honest here. You, I'll take care of your kids for a little while, then send them back home with you, all right? But with, with my, my own kids, with our own kids, when I held my daughter and my son, the same thing, when I held her in my arms for the first time, I bawled. I bawled because I was a nervous wreck and scared to death. But I bawled because I had never felt so much joy and so much love come to the surface at one point over one person in all of my life. Imagine what Simeon must have been feeling. Way more than what a new dad or new mom feels with a new baby. I I have to say, that's the one instance that that we will never fully know unless we embrace Jesus the way Simeon embraced Jesus. He held held baby Jesus tightly in his arms and overflowed with joy because baby Jesus was his Lord and Savior. That he had come to save him and he got to see the glimpse God's salvation in the flesh right before him. You see, to receive salvation, one must let go of whatever we were holding on to and take Jesus in our arms as Lord and Savior, as the Messiah that He is. We ought to hold on to Jesus the way Simeon did, the way a new father does to their children. So are you holding on to Jesus that way? Is Jesus that type of joy and hope and sufficiency for you? Does he scare you to death, but provide you with a filling and sufficiency that you've never, ever imagined? Because he should. He's the Savior that we need. Finally, number three, the presentation of Christ produces a hope that we can proclaim, that we should proclaim. Let's look at verses 36 and following, 36 through 38. There was also a prophetess, Anna, who was the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, um, and was a widow of 84 years. So she was like 105 years old. Some say that she was actually just only 84 years old, and there's some argument there. She was up there in age. Okay, She was up there, and she'd been a widow for a long, long time. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. Again, we see it. A saint, a patron saint, an old saint that's saying, listen, I I am trusting in God. I'm expecting, I'm longing, I'm fasting and praying for what God is going to do. This is her lifestyle for decades upon decades. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God. So at that very moment, at that moment when Simeon had the baby, at that moment she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of God. Of Jerusalem. Interesting that we see Anna, again, this aged woman who absolutely loves God and is expected and longing for him to do something that only he can do. And she knows that there's going to be comfort for, for Israel. There's going to be salvation for God's people. I want to read a passage from Isaiah 52. I think this is probably both on, on both Simeon and Anna's hearts says in verse 9 and 10, Be joyful. Rejoice together, you uh, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has displayed His holy arm in the sight of all the nations. All the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Again, this is the longing that both Simeon and Anna were, were longing for, were hungry for, were searching and expectant for and we ought to be the same, hungry for it, expectant for it, ready to see it. But here's, here's the problem. And we saw this. I want to read a little passage, a little verse. After Jesus had had grown up, and he died, and he, he rose from the dead, he met a couple of disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they were sad. They were bummed, because Jesus is gone. And here's what they said. We were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's been third day, and since these things had happened and it goes on to say we we expected them to him to rise from the dead and we haven't we we go on to say we haven't seen him now god jesus is walking on the road with him kind of blinding them to who he is for the time being but there's this sorrow inside well there's going to be a sorrow if we make jesus who we think he should be instead of letting him be who he is and he's our savior and and while they wanted this they wanted israel to be totally redeemed and the comfort to come to israel and, and rule and justice to be restored in israel and For the nation to be a great nation again, that wasn't what Jesus came to do at this point. He will come and rule and reign one day and make all things new. But at this point, He came to save. And for some of us, the the message we need to understand is, Jesus is the Savior of our eternal lives, our eternal souls. Not for your temporary circumstances. He's not here just to make you have a good day. That you can get over your, your stuff. He's here to provide you with hope that transcends your circumstances. A hope that that will go long into eternity and secure you forever. Not just right now. Our circumstances last but a day, but a season. And compared to eternity, it is a blip on the radar that will be gone like that. Scripture says we're here today and we're gone tomorrow. We're but a vapor or a mist. But eternity, guess how long that lasts? Forever. So, if our minds and our hearts are in the right perspective, it's that Jesus Christ conquered and provided for our forever, not for our immediate, temporary circumstance. And there are times He does. There are times He prov- He provides for us and gives us opportunity and to work harder to, to figure it out. There are times He heals and times He doesn't heal. But ultimately, when it comes to our soul and our eternal life, He has paid for that in full. He has finished the work. Necessary, And that is something that can be secure for those who believe and trust in faith in Christ. Jesus said later on, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So many of us want a certain different Messiah. We want him to take care of our little problems instead of take care of our heart. God forbid we look at our heart even and expose our heart because that's, that's what needs to be cleaned up. Again, this is going... To those who are ready to receive, the humble who are ready to receive, that's who Jesus calls, and that's who responds to the call of Christ, because they're ready. Matthew five three through six: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those. Here's here's Anna and Simeon. Here's Mary and Joseph. Here's Zechariah and Elizabeth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst who starve for righteousness for they will be filled. See that's what Jesus does. He comes to fill those who are empty and know that they are empty. So she comes and she see, in verse 38 we see her at the right moment and the Messiah the child's there and she gives thanks to God. And speaks of him to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. All, all of those, she spoke to everyone, but but the message pierced the ears of those and the hearts of those who were listening and ready to receive. It pierced the hearts of those who were hungry and thirsty for a Messiah. If you aren't hungry and thirsty for the Messiah, the Messiah will not do for you. Although you need him, you need to get to that place of total depravity. Total hunger, total thirst for the Messiah. For Anna, that hunger meant a lifetime of fasting, decade after decade, right, of of ministering in the temple, of longing and hungering for Christ to show up. Again, one of the reasons Luke tells us about Simeon and Anna is, is to illustrate how these devout people, these humble people, respond to the promise of Christ's coming. They're so ready for Christ's coming. But it's also to tell us, how God responds to their longings you see God responds to our longings God is longing to fill you up and as God responds to our longings as God responded to their longings they couldn't help but overflow and proclaim the wonders about the Messiah and we ought to follow that example too listen as we head into the new year it's an opportunity now for us to make sure we have wrapped our arms tightly around Jesus as Lord and Savior, that we are continually longing and hungering and thirsting for His righteousness, and that as we do, He will respond in like and fill us up so that we may overflow to the world around us. Today, we get to participate in the Lord's Supper. And one of the things that says, that we're going to read a passage we always read in 1 first, in first Corinthians 11... It says, as we remember the Lord's Supper, as we we partake in the the bread and as we partake in the cup, that we are proclaiming the Lord's death until He comes. You see, as the overflow of our heart, this is what this is. As we partake in the Lord's Supper today, it is the overflow of our heart that is being expressed to a Savior who has accomplished everything by His flesh and by His blood. Amen? That's what we celebrate. I'm going to ask the the worship team to come back up. They're going to lead us in song. Uh, Here's what we're going to do. Normally uh we pass out to worship team come on up we usually pass out the elements but on a celebration sunday like today we're actually going to partake you can come down the aisle and partake uh with your you yourself your family uh of the elements here i'm gonna i'm gonna uncover this uh and, and here's what we're gonna do i want you to to just take an investment take it take a, a, a look an introspective look at your own heart right now see are, are you wrapping jesus up in your arms like like that stuffed animal that brings comfort right but even more so Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Have you trusted Him uh, and and all the sufficiency that He is? If you haven't, you need to do that. Now listen, for for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, as we partake in the Lord's Supper, as we celebrate His body and His blood shed for us, this means everything to us. This is an expression, and overflow from our heart. But if you haven't trusted in Christ, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, this is meaningless to you. And I would ask that you would not partake, but you would participate by watching. Watching what God's people do. So as we start to sing, you can spend some time in in prayer and reflection. Don't even sing, just pray. And as you're ready, we're going to turn those house lights down a little bit, you guys, just to get that, that privacy thing going on. John, if you could do that for me, turn the house lights down a little bit. And then as you partake, you can line up in the center aisles here. And come up to center, and and I'm going to be here if you'd like to have prayer. If you need prayer for something, I'd love to have you. Actually, I'm going to ask Hoyt if you would also join me and, and pray for people in a minute. Um, and, and as you come forward, maybe you bring your family up, and you come up here to the table and grab grab a cracker, right? Remember Christ's body, and then grab grab the cup and remember Christ's blood. And, and just, I would partake right here. If you're comfortable with that, partake here. If you don't want to, you can go back to your seat and partake. Partake individually. We won't do it collectively all, all together at the same time. But just let, let's let God reign here. And let's celebrate as an overflow and a proclamation of, of Christ as we do this. All right? let, me, let me read the passage of Scripture to you real quick, just that we're talking about. Would you guys stand, stand with me? Mike, would you come and cover the trays, please? So we're in the book of 1 Corinthians. Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper. And, and here's what he says. He says, for I received uh, from the Lord what I passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So important that we remember Christ's body, that he suffered and he died. He gave up his flesh. He became flesh to give up his flesh for us. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, this is huge. This is the new covenant. This is that that era of newness that they were looking forward to, that the the whole Old Testament pointed to, that Christ would come and be our final first and last sacrifice and be done. There would be no other sacrifice needed to be offered, that we would partake in Him and His sacrifice would cover us. So when we come, we remember the blood that's been shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And then it says, "For as often you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes." As we do that, also, I know for me, I have small children who don't quite get this fully yet. But I'm going to have them come down with with my wife, and we're going to partake here. She and I will partake and and tell them what's going on. And when they, you know, and you know your kids, you know where they are. You know if they're ready to partake or if they're not. But Make sure, please, make this a teaching time if it's not a time of partaking, all right? That we would still participate and see and, and view. Let's pray together. Father, we commit this time to you. We are so thankful for for God who became flesh and then gave up that flesh on the cross in our place where we deserve to be so that we could be forgiven. And, and God, as you shed your blood, you shed it so our, our sins could be forgiven and that we could have new life with you. God, there's nothing that we can do apart from you, to be saved. It's all about Jesus. So God, as we participate and remember and partake of the Lord's Supper, we are here to worship and celebrate you and remember you and the finished work that you have provided for your people. It's all about Jesus, and we pray in Christ's mighty name. Amen.
4: Hidden glory in creation Now revealed in you are Christ What a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. We couldn't reach heaven without you, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater, what could save
1: Places.
0: got one more song for you as we blast out the door into 2020. And uh, every time I say 2020, I think of perfect vision. You know, so let's just pray that we have perfect vision in the year to come and, uh, and that we will be obedient children of Christ. Brandon, are you going to finish up here or am I going to cut him loose? Done. He's done. <laughs> he's, he's right next to the safety door. You guys have a blessed rest of your day. Lord bless. And uh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> have a great rest of your day.